everyone welcome back to another episode of the impossible until possible podcast today i'm delighted to be joined by mark castley all the way from my favorite place in the world dubai and um, we're going to be digging into the luxury real estate portfolio business that he is currently CEO for and um, just have a bit of a look at where Mark's been and what he's done and um, how he got to where he is. So Mark, first and foremost, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. So uh, just to give the listeners, I guess, a bit of a background, sort of who is Mark, where's he come from and, and kind of what does he do? I know that sounds a bit like blind date, but, um, <laughs> well, so, uh, um, so I, um, really, uh, really interesting story. I won't bore you with the, the long version, but obviously I'm from Liverpool, which you can pick up from the accent. And I played a little bit of football before I got into real estate. Uh, I thought I was a lot better than I was. Uh, so I thought I was going to be pro. I was never really going to be pro. Um, so my dad threw me into real estate. He was like, look, you're getting a job. <laughs> I took me to a, a local up in, uh, on the high street, started working for 60 quid a week. I was the T-boy. And just since then, worked my way up. <laughs> you know, it was, you look, I look back now and, you know, it, it was such a, a great, humbling experience because I was literally making the tea. Um, but I was learning, you know, really quick. And then progressed my career from T-Boy into, I was buying and selling my own properties. Mm-hmm. So you'll know, you've been in the property game for a long time. So you remember when day one lending, uh, yeah. when that was removed, my business model just went down the pan. <clears throat> and I was doing really well, but we were just flipping houses. So we were taking option, large amounts of option agreements. Yeah. Um, and then selling them on, you know, it could have been five grand, it could have been 15 grand, it was never much more than that. But we were doing really, really well from it. And then it all just went, it all just went down the pan. Day one lending stopped, the financial crisis hit, and spent all my money. Um, I'm in a position, I said to, excuse my girlfriend at the time, we're not married with a kid, but I said, look, maybe it's, maybe the next stop could be Dubai. So I came over here, and in a space of five years, um, set my own company up, uh, sold that company when we found out we were having a little one, and moved over to the US, which was amazing, because we lived in Florida yeah. for three years. So I was in, started in Miami, and we worked our way up to Fort Lauderdale, and then into Orlando. Um, so we had a two-year-old little girl, and we, we lived eight, nine minutes from Disney, the Magic Kingdom. Yeah, nice. So. I mean, it was any excuse for me to go to Disney's and you know, I'm there. Um, but, and then from there, I traveled a lot. So I was coaching. So the reason I was in Florida, I was coching real estate agents. I had 200 agents, some of the top 1% in the, in the state. And I was teaching them how to be better at what they do, you know, how to make more money, how to build a team. Um, the work-life balance is huge in America. So it was you know, getting the right work-life balance. And then I was, I've been flown all over the world. I've been quite fortunate. So I've done it all over Canada, all over the US, throughout Asia, the Middle East. Um, I was over in Qatar, you know, where they're having the World Cup. Yeah. I was there for two years. So I was general manager of a family office there, which was really good fun. Um, but you were, you know, you said at the start of the, the podcast, your favorite place in the world is Dubai. There's a reason for that, right? 
it's the best place in the world. <laughs> like, so it's just so good here. So I, uh, it's always been like it's always been the plan to get back here as soon as possible. And uh, when the pandemic hit, I said to the missus, "Look, this is this is it. You know, we need to be back over there." And the the company I'm with is called LuxuryProperty.com, the largest luxury real estate brokerage in the region, um, the most visited real estate website in the region. So what I was asked to do is come in and blow the business up, basically. You know, so we've got a um, huge team of extremely skilled agents. We've got a massive operations team. I've now got those offices in London, LA, Miami, New York. Uh, I had a full head of hair when I started, <laughs> as I tell people as well. But it's good, man, you know. So, um, you know, I came, came from, I don't know what, if you know much about the part of Liverpool, but the part of Liverpool I'm from, there's not an awful lot of money there, right? So yeah. it's not like there was any entrepreneurial influence from an early age. Mum and dad are both blue-collar, dad's a care worker, Mum's a, a HR for the NHS, has been for 25, 30 years. You know, so there's no real entrepreneurial spirit there. Not in a negative way, but there just wasn't. You know, uh, all working class. So it, was, it broke the mold slightly, but um, yeah, you know, it's it's probably the best thing I ever done was move to Dubai. Yeah. It's such a fun place, right? Yeah, it's great, and I think it's it's got a lot of opportunity there. So just digging into. Um, you know, digging into, I guess, your skill set, your core skill set, you, you're clearly getting moved around, bought into these businesses to make these businesses better. So what would you say the, you know, the core things that you've learned from, you know, scaling businesses, you know, what, what are the fundamentals that show up time and time again that, that work? The people. It's, every, every, it's all about the people. So uh, you're only as good as the people you're working with, right? Um mm-hmm. Uh, we're a tech company, but still, I've got 103 people underneath me, and the goal for me is for every single one of them to be better than me. Uh, and that's, you know, that that's it's so important that you have the right people. When I was in the US, I was involved in a business that got sold for half a billion dollars. Um, and the, you know, this is where I picked this up. The key focus was you need to be the least important person. If you're at the top of the chain, you've got to make it all about the people around you. So um, I do everything I can to make everybody in this company successful. Mm-hmm. And if everybody sat at the, the desk in this company are successful, it's just a, we, we our success is a byproduct of theirs rather than theirs a byproduct of mine. So it's yeah. all about the people. Um, it really is. It's all about the people. And I, I take it that comes down to training, educating? Yeah. So when I was coaching in the US, um, everybody wants to learn, right? So it's, it's, it's more prominent in the last 10 or 15 years. I didn't see it so much previous to that. But, you know, self-help books and podcasts like this. So this podcast, for sure, you're going to get feedback where someone says, hey, Ryan, I listened to your podcast. And it was great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Whenever I do a podcast, a lot because of my experience in the US, a lot of people in the US bring me on their podcasts, and I get really lovely messages by email or through Instagram saying, "Hey, Mark, look, I listened to your podcast, and I got so much value from it." 
And what I've realized is everybody wants to be better. So nobody wants to be the worst real estate agent or the worst financial advisor, right? Everybody wants to actually progress and, and they want to learn. And that's why training is so important. So I do daily training. And like I said, 103 people believe me. We've got five officers. Uh, I've got a wife, a daughter, two dogs, and my mother-in-law all with me. So all of that going on, dealing with everything, major deals, all, all types of things going on, but I still find time every single day to sit in my office and bring people in to train them because that's the most important thing. If they are, if they feel like they're well-educated and they've got value from you through the education and the training that you provide, they stay with you. And, you know, my experience across the world, sometimes what I find as a, a natural response or there's a natural objection to be handled, not everybody sees that as the right way to do, to do it because they've not had the experience. And, and that's something that's a big eye-opener, you know. Uh, you spend time with people in the U.S. and they overcome objections totally different than guys who are from Iran or Syria or Pakistan or India because of cultural differences. So what I see as something that could be natural, they don't. And it's not what, that's what makes it really interesting. You know, it really does. Yeah, I think um, Dubai certainly, you know, I mean, we're the same. So we do, you know, a lot of rental arbitrage and um, speaking with landlords in the UK is totally different to dealing with landlords in Dubai with all the different culture yeah. differences. And um, you've got to you've got to get your head around it. You've got to, and you've got to know how to speak to the, the different cultures in the different ways and, you know, see, you know, sometimes yeah. you might think, oh, they're being a bit arsy when actually they're not. It's yeah. just the way that they are, you know, and, and if you oh, don't yeah. understand that and appreciate it, you can flip your lid and just be like back at yeah. them. But, um, it, it it is a um so where um i mean i'm looking at buying some stuff out there at the minute but it's just every day you're looking the prices are going up it's it's crazy at the minute out there what's what it's are you your, seeing on the front end i tell you why this is what's your fault prices have gone crazy so i'm in the press all the time um and I try to keep my press coverage, just general market commentary. I try and not be too biased towards what we're doing. I like to just talk about the market. And I had a piece out in uh, late December, which was short-term rentals are one of the fuel, the key, the key uh, fuel providers for the market. Because you guys are great, right? You are allowing a lot more tourism in the key areas because you're giving access to properties that people actually want to stay in. It's nice to stay in the Atlantis. It's nice to stay in the hotels. But I live on the pond, and if I could vacation in my house on the pond, that would be the dream for me. I, I like that. And that's what a lot of people want. So what we found is... People who are buying short-term rental opportunities are comfortable paying the premium. So uh, because your rental yield is so much higher when you forecast your income, that, that premium is irrelevant. And that's, you know, it's, it's actually good business to buy in a property above market, which is not, not the norm in Dubai. The norm is at market or below. It's never been above market, but now it is. We've got key areas, key master developed areas from Emar or Nikhil that are seeing uh, sales price above ask. 
which has just not been the case for, for as long as I've, I've been here in and out for 12 years, it's just not been the case. And one of the reasons, well, two reasons, in my opinion, this is obviously, but it's a pretty valid opinion because I see it every day. You know, we've got a lot of people emptying out from crypto because they've done really well from it. And, you know, it's a crypto hub, Dubai. Um, so a lot of people are, you know, changing crypto and picking really great assets up here. And then we have the short-term rental guys who are picking all the stock up uh, because they're, you know, they're in a position where they know that they can forecast a really nice rental yield on it. Um, so that's been one the, the two key fuels for the market. I mean, there's, there's something else. Um, I'm, I, I, this is this went viral. I don't know. I don't know if you've seen it. So I, I don't drive to work. I take a car because I get. I live on the palm. We work. I work in base square, so it's about twenty five minutes to the office. So twenty five minutes there and back each day, like fifty day, fifty minutes a day, to with nobody coming in the office, nobody uh, asking for anything. It's just my space. So normally I listen to a podcast. Um, or I'll, you know, I'll do something like this because it's been bit of me time, right? But I was sat in the car on, um, I think it was the last week of December. And I don't know if, you, if you've seen this, but it went, it went viral because I don't think anybody else said it. And if you think about the last financial crashes that we've had, and the last one well, specific to real estate, if you look at the last um, on record, dips in the real estate market, substantial dips in the real estate market. We had one in 94, what was it? It was 98 or something like that. We had another one in um, 2009. And they were, they were both the fault of the bank, right? So the financial crisis was named that because the, the, the banks messed up massively. And what happened was when... Um, buyers were trying to pick up real estate across the planet um, after the dip there was no access to lending because the banks would say no <laughs> you can't get a mortgage you, you don't come to me for a mortgage we just caused an absolute mess and the market of criteria for lending is like so strict now you can't yeah. get a mortgage but then the financial dip that we've just seen because of COVID wasn't the bank's fault. So what happened was we seen this dip and first time home buyers on the dip, as we exit the dip, are coming to the bank and saying, hey, I want to buy a house. And the bank saying, yeah, no problem. And here's the best interest rates we've ever given out or we have in the last 10 years. So never before has it been possible for first-time home buyers to buy the dip with finance yeah. because that was yeah. always reserved for cash buyers, right? Yeah. That makes sense. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, we've got, um, you know, you touch base on living on the palm. That's exactly where I, I, I tend to chuck myself in our sort of stock that's on the palm whenever I'm over there if it's not rented out. And uh, I think the palm is it's just developing so much. Like it, it's crazy, like what's gone on there in the last ten years, um, how much they've expanded that and what they've got on there. And I think Dubai now is they've got, I think they've got this sense of okay, we we've built the high rise city. Now we now now we need to build out the communities and the sort of 
um, estates for the families and stuff. And they're starting to do that in between, you know, your sort of Shakeside Road and up to, you know, the the Elves Club and, and your ranches and places like that. And I think, you know, there's more and more of those type of developments popping up. And I think once... Once that's all in play over the next 10, 15, 20 years, then I think it'll really start to feel like a a a proper, proper, proper place, you know. And I think at the minute it's all still high rise, but I think there's nothing outside of that. There's there's quite a big gap, isn't there, between like Dubai itself or what I class as Dubai, which is kind of downtown Palm, JBR, and then actually like the ranchers and living out that way. Because the people that live out that way don't seem to want to come into the beaches and you know enjoy the city life. It's it's a strange. Well, that's it. You see, when they were building, when Emo were building communities, it's a master plan community, and the goal is you don't need to leave. Mm. So I was talking to, so I live, like I said, I live in the pond. I was speaking to a, a colleague of mine who lives on the pond. I said, I find it hard to get excited about buying the property not on the pond because I don't want to leave. But then you speak to people who live in Emirates, live in all the ranches or downtown, and they're like, no, I'm not moving the pond. I don't want to do it. And you get like all comfortable with where you're living. And I think, you know, what, what we've seen Dubai do is, is build out these master plan communities where it's a city within a city. You know, it's, it's like a, it's everything on site. There's schools, hospitals, restaurants, vets, dog park, everything you could think of. I've got, I've got two dogs and my dogs love the palm. Like, they don't want to leave the park. My little girl doesn't want to leave the park. Like, we love it. She, she goes to school, and then over weekends, her life was on the park. Yeah. And I think that's, like, so sensible from the developers when they're building out these communities because it really it really helps with that balance of life. Like, well, I don't want to leave. You know, it's, it's so good being here, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. It's, uh, no, it's an amazing place, and I think it's going places. So, uh I'm pretty sure you're not uh, leaving any time soon by the sounds of things. You seem quite settled there now. Yeah, that's, I mean, everybody used to have the five-year plan, right? They get here, oil and gas contract, or a construction contract, big, big whopping salary, get in, make a few quid, and get off. That was the plan, right? It was a five-year plan. You take a Springs Villa, Emirates, somewhere in Emirates living, something like that, maybe a palm, uh, apartment, and you make a big load of cash and then that was it you were done and then it's changed now people have got like the the retirement plans here people are saying yeah i want to buy and retire there and that was that wasn't the case 10 years ago because it wasn't somewhere you would retire now i couldn't think of being anywhere else my parents were over here my mother-in-law moved here she lives with us now Okay. You know, because she just loves it. And it's and that's the difference. It went from a five-year cash cow into a long-term uh, relocation plan. Like, you would move to us. And you move to Australia, you live in Australia, you stay in Australia. Yeah. Dubai wasn't like that, but now, now it really is. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I lived there 2010, 2012, and have started coming back there the last couple of years as the business has grown. And you can see that that shift there, that difference in the type yeah, of people yeah. that are, are going out there. And um, the, as you say, the people that you speak to just don't want to leave. You know, they do see it as a long-term plan. But I think it's also helped with the, you know, the cultural rules have changed slightly there. It's starting to yeah. welcome the Western sort of culture a bit more. And I think that that in itself is helping, not only with the property prices as well, because, you know, Prior to, I think it was last year, you know, Sharia law, you, you actually could buy a property there, but it passed down maybe 
you know, outside of your actual world based on your country. So a lot of investors, especially, you know, your, your Russians and your billionaires, and that, they didn't want him. They didn't want to buy the property because they were like, well, I don't want it to pass that way. So yeah. that's all changed now. And, and yeah. I think um, you can see that they've, I think, wised up to the fact that the majority of Dubai, I mean, something, it's something mad, like 85% of Dubai is expats. It's like fifteen percent Emiratis, you know. So it is a it is a Western country now, and um, yeah. you know that they, they've had to adapt that way to to fuel it. But I do think it's in the. Um, I think it's it's probably a bit scary where that place is going at the minute. I know every time I go back, I just think it's like madness what's going on and the amount of developments that are going up. And I think the speed, you know, I inquired about um, that Emar beachfront. Like yeah. so, within three hours, it sold the whole the whole thing sold within three hours. You know, you're it's talking insane. like thousands of units gone within three hours it's, it's just mental and, they, and i mean i remember when they used to nothing was online and you'd have to queue up outside the sales center and what they would do is they'd pay somebody to get in the queue for them and some people were selling their ticket to buy a property for similar prices to what the property was because it was like such a premium you can receive. And that's what it is in Dubai, right? They, they launch an off-plant development and it's with EMAR, which the beachfront is EMAR beachfront. You know you're, you're going to be okay. Yeah. It's getting delivered. It's going to be of a great quality and it's, it's going to be in high demand once handed over. So it's a great investment, right? Yeah. yeah. Do, do, do you see anything to be worried about on the the fact that you know there is such a hot buzz around it all at the minute and the prices are high and because dubai's always swung up and down you know property markets and you know the the, the swings are huge whereas obviously the uk is fairly steady and it has its little dips but you know you could look at the prices now let's be honest in two years time based on previous history in dubai they could be halved yeah. um, and then they could again you know so it's yeah. like do, do you see that stabilizing any or do you see anything sort of to worry about on the horizon so what i what i do is i take as much outside um data in as possible and there's a couple of reports that came out so ubs gave out a report that said dubai is the only top 50 city on the planet to be undervalued in the real estate market um so it took into account at UBS, right, so it's a major institution, took into account every data point of what apparently was still undervalued. And then, which is great, it's great for confidence um, for buyers because, you, you know, the worry is you buy at, at the top. Um, HSBC said we've got another five years of growth uh, before we even, you know, we're even close to the top. And then we had another report came out a couple of days ago which said we've got about 25% more growth before we're back at the top of the market. Um, all of that means nothing, right? And that's the truth, isn't it? Because okay. it's genuinely just, it's got, nothing has got any value. What I do know is all, all uh, demand is increasing daily. We see non-stop increase. We've got Expo here at the minute, which is, uh, that finishes in April, I believe. What the governments have said is one in five people who came to Expo will be a resident here. And they expect our population to double over the next five years. So we're at three, three million and change. We're going to be about yeah. six million. Now they've got to have somewhere to live, right? Which is yeah. again great news for you because they all love the short term rentals. You're going to be absolutely fine for the next five years. Um, 
but it's great for the whole market because um, everybody needs somewhere to live. And people, there's no homeless people in Dubai. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's no, there's poverty everywhere on the planet, but there's no, it's not like the UK where there's like a, a benefit to culture or anything like that. It doesn't exist. If you're an expat and you can't afford to be here, you leave because yeah. there's no other option. So that's why it's a, a lot of the people here are quite skilled and they're able to pick up positions. And that's what, what booms the city. You know, the caliber of education here from the, the, the expats is, is outrageous. Yeah, I think it's it, it's it's probably not just the education. I think it's probably there is no benefit system. So if you don't if you don't get your ass out of bed, you're not going to earn any money, and therefore you ain't got life there. And you know, yeah. I think at times you probably wish the UK was a bit like that because I think the UK has gone totally the other way. But I think that's a, that's a podcast session, session on its own for about an hour. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, and and that's that's what I like about Dubai. You know, it's like all right, it, it's. It's tax free, but yeah, you got to pay for your medical, you got to pay for this, you got to pay for that. But that's fine because if you use it, then you pay for it. But if you don't use it, you don't pay for it. And exactly. um, but um, and I think that's why it breeds so many entrepreneurs out there because you've got to stand on your own two feet. Whether you're in a job, most of the jobs are commission based, the sales jobs, you know, so the the, the basics are minimal. And um, if you want to, and it's not cheap to live there, so you you do have to get off your ass if you want to live there. You've got to, but you won't survive. You just no. you'll be back home in a heartbeat. It's expensive, so you you've really got to you've got to give it a hundred percent, or you get found out pretty quick. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Anyway, Mark, I know you're a busy guy, so I'm going to let you go. But it's been uh, an absolute pleasure to get your thoughts and uh, and to hear from you. And um, maybe we can catch up for a coffee uh, when I'm in Dubai next. Um, how can people get hold of you if they do want to get in touch with yourself? Uh, you can get me on email. Uh, my email is mark, M-A-R-K, at luxuryproperty.com. I'm more than happy to answer any questions. Loads of people always email, what to do by like, you know, <laughs> uh, send me the emails. I love them. I'm happy to engage with everybody. Um, but thank you so much for having me, man. I really appreciate you, uh, you jumping on with me. No problem. Take care, buddy. Sweet soon. Thanks, man. Cheers. Bye. If you are enjoying the show, then I would really appreciate a review. And for doing so, I am going to reward one lucky person with an hour's one-to-one phone call with myself to discuss anything to do with your life or business and try and help you move it forward in a positive direction. All you have to do is leave a review, take a photograph of it and tag me on Instagram at official Ryan Luke and I will pick out the lucky winner towards the end of the month.